Amen. Well, guys, I'm in uh, John chapter 21, uh, John chapter 21, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 19, just, just to kind of set up contextually what's going on in our story. Uh, now, at this point, uh, Jesus has already uh, been betrayed. Uh, he's already been crucified. Uh, he's already uh, risen from the grave. And, and we're, we're kind of on the tail end of that story. And so I want you to just kind of uh, understand where we are. And, and starting in verse 1 of John 21, it says this, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, uh, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, uh, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. Well, we're coming with you, they told him. They went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus' friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's the one that wrote this book, John, uh, said to Peter, It is the Lord! And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he'd taken it off, and he plunged into the sea, since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. Uh, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Well, feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Ah. Perhaps you picked up on that final question we're going to look at. It's in verse 16. It's actually in a few verses, but I'm going to highlight verse 16. He looks at Peter and he asks him simply, Do you love me? Do you love me? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. We look at these, this final question. And there's three things that I want to point out. And, and here is the first, kind of the main idea of this passage. It's that if we say that we love Jesus, we have to do what he says. Right? If we say that we love Jesus, we have to actually do what he says. 
And so what I want to do this morning, I just want to walk through this conversation that Jesus has with Peter. And, and let's just walk through it kind of verse by verse. It begins uh, there in, in verse uh, 15. It says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Right? Do you love me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Well, feed my lambs, he told him. So I just want you to notice this pattern. Uh, he asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then he, and then he gives him a command. Right? So, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do this. Then go feed my lambs. And then again in verse 16, it says a second time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. And here's the command, then shepherd my sheep. Right? And then it happens again in verse 17. It says, he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep, Jesus said. And feed my sheep, right? So what's going on? Now we know Peter uh, previously had stated on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Lord, you know I love you more than all of these. So that's where Jesus picks up the conversation. Peter, do you love me more than all of these? So like he's, he's getting back to the heart of it. So, so Peter had said, Lord, you know I love you more than all of these. And even if everyone else falls away, Lord, I will never fall away. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, tonight I tell you before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. All right? That's what's going to happen. Peter's like in disbelief. He doesn't believe that it could happen, but he does. He denies Jesus. Uh, he, he, he even curses uh, about it. And, uh, and later he, he weeps bitterly. And here we find Peter now, interestingly enough, doing what? He's fishing. For men? No. For fish. He's back to his old way of life. And he, he catches nothing. Jesus appears and he's like, hey, try the other side. The net is full. They're like, oh my gosh, didn't the Lord do that for you? This has got to be the Lord. So they call out. He jumps out of the boat. He calls. And, and now Jesus is going to restore him. And he's going to restore him by, by, by calling him to do something. Now, now, Peter has a special calling on his life. By the way, you have a special calling on your life too. Peter's calling was to be the rock uh, that the whole church would be built upon. Peter would be the first pastor of the church. He'd be the first preacher. At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit falls, he's going to be the first one to stand up and declare the gospel. 3,000 are going to be saved that day. I mean, it's, it's amazing what God does through this man, Peter. So every time that Peter says, I love you, Jesus says to him, now there's something you have to do. Here's what I've called you to. Go and feed my sheep. So that's for Peter. And you say, what does that have to do with me? Well, here's the deal. What Jesus is doing with Peter is the same thing that he says to all of us. There is an expectation that when we say we love Jesus, that we then do what Jesus says. Check this out in John 14. Jesus speaking. He says, if you love me, you will what? Read that for me. Keep my commands. If you love me, you're going to do something. You're going to do what? You're going to do what I say. You're going to keep my commands. Right? If, if, and here Jesus is, is, is tying... I love and obedience together. He even repeats it later in John 14 and verse 21. He says, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him and I will reveal myself to him. There's a blessing attached to it. So Jesus says, listen, if you love me, you're going to obey what I command. Right? And if you love me, my Father's going to love you. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll reveal, uh, the word is uh, manifest, I'll, I will manifest myself to you. 
I will show you who I really, really am. If you do what I say. Right? If you do what I say. Um, this is experiential Christianity, by the way. We don't like to talk about those things. We like theological Christianity where it's in our head, not where it's something that we have to experience necessarily. Uh, but but th- what Jesus is saying is huge. He's saying there are certain aspects of God that you will only come to know through obedience to His Word. You got that? Like, there are some things that you can't know by reading, folks. You, you may go, well, well, okay, yeah, God says that He's love. Yeah, but you may not know that till you walk through the fire with Him in obedience. And then you go, oh, 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 your promise is true, God, when you say you'll never leave me or forsake me. And I obeyed you and life got really tough and you were there. Right? Because I manifest myself to you in a special way. So when we look at this last question, we're going to look at, do you love me? The very first thing we need to understand is that if we say we love Jesus, we have to do what He says. Kind of brings us to the second point, which is difficult. <laughs> Here it is, ready? Most of us don't love Jesus the way we should. Right? Most of us don't love Jesus the way we should. Jesus says, if you love me, you should do what I command. Most of us don't do that. So I, I kind of want to walk through the conversation again. I'm not going to put any slides up this time because we just looked at them all. But here's how it goes. Uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus is going to question that love that Peter proclaims. Remember, I love you more than these. He's going to now question it three times. It's going to sting a little bit. It shouldn't just sting for Peter. It should sting for me and for you too. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And here's how the conversation goes. So the first time Peter says, uh, or Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He uses a Greek word, which comes from the root agape, right? Which comes from the root word agape. It's agapao. He says, Peter, do you agapao me? Now, what he's talking about is that 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It keeps no records of wrongs, right? It's, it's, it's the love of God. He said, do you, do you love me the way that I deserve to be loved? Do you love me the way that I love you? Are you committed to me? Because that's what agape love is. Agape love is not dependent upon the recipient, but it's all about the giver, right? He says, do you love me no matter what? Are you committed to me? Are you steadfast for me is what Jesus asked. And then Peter answers the question, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter doesn't use the same word that Jesus does. See, in, in the Greek, they had lots of words for love. In English, we only have one. So we tell uh, our, our, our wife and our kids, I love you. We tell our parents, I love you. And then we also say, oh, I love pizza. Right? I love to watch football. And it's all kind of the same for us. It wasn't so much for them. And so he, he, Jesus says, Peter, do you, do you, are you committed to me? Are you steadfast in your love for me? Because Peter, you weren't. Peter, you, you said you were, but, but you weren't, right? So do you love me in a steadfast way, Peter? Are you committed to me? And Peter answered, Lord, you know that I love you. But he uses the Greek word phileo. And, and phileo is, is this deep affection that has to do with our passions. It's an up and down kind of love, right? Like if, if they're loving me, I'm going to love them. Like it's, it's, it's just not the same. And, and, and so Jesus says, listen, do you love me? Are you committed to me? And Peter's like, I'm so passionate about you, Lord. Right? And that's not the thing. It's not the same. So Jesus asked him a second time, no, Peter, I just, I'm wondering, do you love me? And the second time, Jesus uses the same word, agapao. Are you committed to me, Peter? 
Are you steadfast in your love for me? And Peter answers him again. Lord, you know that I love you. Uh, you know that I phileo you. It's the same, same answer he had previously. You know that I'm passionate about you, Lord. And then finally, Jesus will come back and he'll say, okay, Peter, do you phileo me? Right? Are you passionate about me? And, and Peter will say, Lord, you know I'm passionate about you. And, and here's the point I'm making. The love that Jesus is seeking from Peter and ultimately, the love that he wants from us is this steadfast, committed love, the kind of way that he loves us. And most of us aren't there. And, and, and here's the reason I bring it up, not to make you feel bad. I actually want to bring it up for a word of encouragement. Because if God can use Peter, a guy whose love is not where it should be, right? Some of you walk through the door and your affections for the Lord aren't what they should be. And you know it. You've been like, my heart's grown cold, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with obedience. Like, pastor, you just said that if I'm not obeying, then I'm not loving. You're like, oh, kicked in the teeth. And you're, you're feeling like, man, I'm struggling, right? Well, guess what? You're in good company because the rock that the church was built on was just like you. And what I'm saying to you this morning is if God can use Peter to build his church, then he can certainly use you. Because we have that same kind of misguided love all too often. Alright? So let that be a word of encouragement for you. Which brings me to my last point. It's like my favorite point of the story. It's this. It's that Jesus loves us enough to meet us where we are. But He loves us too much to leave us there. Let me say it one more time. Jesus loves us enough to meet us where we are. But He loves us too much to leave us there. And... Uh, so my favorite part of the story actually begins as the story comes to a conclusion. So, so my favorite part of the story begins as the story ends. And it's only beginning here. You go, I, I don't see that. It looks like the story ended. No, it's only the beginning. So Jesus, do you agapa owe me? No, I phileo you. Do you agapa owe me? No, I phileo you. Okay, fine, Peter. Do you phileo me? Yeah, I phileo you, Lord. So Jesus meets Peter at the level of love that he's able to give. By the way, he'll do the same for you. But the story of Peter and his love for Jesus doesn't stop here. It just begins here. It just begins here. Because he meets Peter where he is, and then he walks with Peter. You go, well, Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. Yes, he is. But he's going to live in Peter just like he lives in us by the power of his Spirit. And, and what he teaches Peter over his life as Peter follows Christ is how to have the kind of love for God that we're supposed to have. How to have that committed kind of love. In fact, uh, so much so that Peter, the guy that used to jump out of boats and cut off ears, Peter, the kind of guy whose passions were never controlled, uh, Peter, that guy, writes this uh, later in his life. Right In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, Verse 5 through 7, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement uh, your faith. Uh, the NIV would say, to add to your faith um, goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And brotherly affection with love. Uh, two words there that I've highlighted, self-control and endurance. You know what those words mean? Self-control, ready? It means to master your passions. Peter, the one who was all about passionate love, says you've got to add to your faith 
a level of control over those passions. And then he doesn't just speak about self-control, adding self-control. Then he says, uh, add, add endurance. And that word endurance means steadfast and constant. See, what I'm saying is Peter's story didn't stop on the beach. It just started there. I don't know where you are today, but I do know this. Jesus loves you so much that he'll meet you right where you are. That's how our Lord works. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He calls to himself tax collectors and prostitutes and and the outcasts. He calls to him even even, uh, the religious folks, and, and he's willing to meet them right there in the middle of their sin. Not to judge them, but to call them to himself, to love them. But when he loves them, he always then sends them off on a new mission in life. And that mission is to be like him. And he does it with a promise that they don't have to do that on their own or by themselves, but that he will always be with them. And if you walk with him, he will transform you into his likeness. And that love that you have that drives you crazy, right? Come on, be honest. It drives you crazy that you're not as passionate about God as you should be. Amen? How many people, it dri- how many people one of the things you hate most about yourself is how your love for God wanes? Right? Here's what I'm going to say to you. Stop hating yourself. Start loving your Savior. Because He loves you enough to meet you where you are. But if you follow Him... He will lead you out of that. He will lead you to a place that you can have control over that up and down kind of love for him. He will lead you to a place that you can be constant in your affections for him. And you can walk with him the way that he intends you to walk with him. If he can do it for Peter, by golly, he can do it for you and he can do it for me. Does it make sense? All right. We call that process, by the way, big theological church term, sanctification. It's being made like Jesus. The goal of Christianity, salvation through Christ, transformation in Christ, to change. That's it. And he will do that in you if you let him. All right? So what do we do because of this message? I think there's a couple things. Uh, Here is the first I think we need to do. All right? Um, We need to ask the Lord to point out any area of disobedience in our life. We want to ask the Lord to point out any area of disobedience in our life. So um, typically we, we do this and we pray and we're like, God, show me all my horrible sins. And we're talking about big ones, right? Uh, what we deem to be big ones, we're like, uh, God, show me if I'm coveting uh, something that I shouldn't or, or if I, I'm greedy or if I've got lust in my heart or if I hate somebody or if I've got envy or pride. And we think those are the big ones. And those, those are definitely, like we want the Lord to show those things and reveal those things to us. But uh, there are other things going on in our lives, right? Uh, so I'm going to say this. Some of you guys are still at home and I love you. And some of you are at home for safety reasons, but some are you at home because you can be in your PJs and drink coffee. Right? If you've got to wear PJs, wear them to church because you're not going to like this next part. So uh, here's, here's another one. But what about the, the commands like don't forsake the assembly? Listen, for health reasons, I, like, you, like I get it. I mean, we got some people. That, I mean, there, there's things like transplants. There's things like cancer. There's things like, like and you, you can't be around folks. Like, I get that. I get that. So I'm cool with that. But when it comes to just convenience... No, I mean, I'd just rather sit at home on my couch and then I don't have to be around people. Uh, there's a reason that God calls His church together. And there's a reason that the church exists today. You know why it exists today? Because if you go back to the book of Acts when the church began, they did life together in community and community changed them. 
They met Jesus, and then they talked about the things of Jesus together every single day, and the world was changed by that group of people. Community is important. We, we tra- we, we're transformed, we're changed in the image of God uh, by knowing Christ, by spending time in His Word, and by spending time in community. That's how it happens best. Through the Word in community. Alright? So that's a big deal. What about praying? You know, Jesus expected you to pray. That's why He says, when you pray, pray like this. That means it's a command to talk to Him. Or don't, right? Uh, the, the whole tithe thing we talked about earlier. That's a command. That's a thing. Serving. That's a thing. We talked about it last, last week or the week before that Jesus like, came to serve, to show us the full extent of His love. These are things. So ask the Lord uh, to point out any area of disobedience in your life. I'm just giving you a few but pray like that. Lord, what, is there anything that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Is there any sin in my life that, that I've been trying to just avoid or not look at or not talk to you about? So just pray that prayer, right? Because if we say that we love Jesus, we actually have to do what he says. So we've got to ask, point out the disobedience in my life. Number two, uh, then we need to repent of any sin the Holy Spirit reveals. Not enough to know of the sin, then we have to repent. It means that we do things to change. That's what repentance means. I'm walking in one way, I turn around, I go the other direction, and I actually start walking in the other direction. So not just like, oh gosh, that's bad. Like, no, not just that's bad, but now let's focus on something good. Let's pursue that thing. So repentance, I've got to change my behavior, and that's the last part, is then we need to do the things that Jesus has asked us to do. We have to do the things that Jesus has asked us to do. It's actually part of our motto around here. When people say, well, what is your church about? We focus on three things, loving God, loving people, and doing something. Because Jesus said to be doers of the word. Uh, Every day, there's something that you can do to have a positive impact on society. Every single day. Just be a doer. Every day, go love your enemy. Right? Just do it. Every single day. Just go do something to have an impact, a positive impact on somebody else for the name of Jesus. Alright? It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I'm going to pray for us. Now I've got a few announcements. Miss Catherine's not with us this morning. She's here, but she's not feeling awesome. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do these announcements, see if I can get through them really well. Catherine, uh, I apologize in advance because you were going to do a lot better job than me. Uh, Lord Jesus, thanks for loving us. Thanks for allowing us to gather a huge day in the life of our church. Uh, we pray you'd be glorified in all that we do, think, and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.